this is the Baymont Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we continue our review of The Chosen with a discussion on the third episode titled Jesus Loves the Little Children. And I got to say, Marty, this uh, title gave me a little bit of a different idea of what this episode would be. I kind of thought maybe we're jumping ahead in time a little bit, and this was going to be the interaction with his disciples that we have directly in the text, but it's uh, it's really more of just an episode showing the nature of Jesus in this really simple, human sort of way. I, I do remember having um, some similar thoughts and like thinking after this episode, like, is this whole show just like pre-gospel setup backstory? And then you, you find out that in some upcoming episode, you start to catch the gospel narrative. But yeah, <laughs> we're three episodes in and it was all like just backstory content. But as we've pointed out, excellent as can be. I like this episode, too. So, yeah, without further ado, spoilers for the episode start now. Yeah, so it's, it starts off with Jesus uh, alone with a campfire. He's praying. Seems like he's in distress, maybe. Um, and, and initially, I kind of thought, like, is this part of his temptation in the wilderness or something? Um, but it really just is like, it's just showing, like, he is in fervent prayer and he's really, you know, he's really passionate about, about his, uh, ministry and just making sure that the timing is right for, for when he, you know, takes it more public than, than what we've seen so far. Yeah. I have that in my, like my first notes as well. And I suppose on some level, um, somebody could, I mean, I'm sure tons of people see it this way. When they see this, they see Jesus like, coming to grips with his mission and he's looking ahead to his crucifixion. For me, I loved this portion of it. And and they do this through the whole series, the whole season. But in this episode in particular, there are some moments where you really see what I, I would call the humanity of Jesus on display. And when I saw that opening scene, I just see somebody. Yeah. Who's deep. Like, like you said, somebody who's in fervent prayer, somebody who's deeply spiritual, um, but is also like, wrestling in their spiritual walk with God. Like I see somebody who doesn't, honestly, I, I see, and maybe this is blasphemous. I don't know, whatever. I'm sure people will let me know. Um, but I see somebody that's kind of like doubting, like second guessing, searching for it. Like that, that's the kind of stuff I saw with somebody like, I know what I'm here to do. I'm also full of questions. I'm full of, so I'm probably projecting all of that from my own personal narrative. But that's what I saw, and I really liked it. Like a very human, this is a guy who's got questions. This is a guy who's got problems. This is a guy who is in angst over what it means to follow God. Yeah, and we don't actually know what's going on in this scene. So there's plenty of room for projection. And like, honestly, Jesus was around for quite a while before his ministry went public. So he certainly had quite a bit of time to move through a whole lot of different emotions and thoughts and ideas about what he would be doing with his life. So, you know, uh, while we don't have a direct contextual link to, um, what happens in this episode, I don't, I don't think anything that we see here is implausible in any way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So 
then we have our credits, and uh, the credits also kind of gave me a different idea of what the episode would be, uh, in that, you know, it listed all your normal characters, but really this episode is almost exclusively about Jesus, um, and, and a few children, and, and we see some links there. So, um, we see Abigail running out of her house initially, heading to the stream, there's this comment about swimming, uh, is not allowed, and, and that comes up again later, so I wonder, like... Uh, was it particularly dangerous to swim in a, I think stream it's like oh well that seems like it'd be pretty calm and safe enough to to get in the water but maybe not I don't know yeah I don't know if I saw that I, I, if there was something to the content of that or if it was just like you know parents being parents I feel like that played into the content of the episode was they have their worries they have their concerns they have all these things you know don't do this don't do this and 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 she's not going to, but she. Uh, that's how I kind of felt that comment played into it repeatedly through the 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 preoccupations of us silly adults. And Abigail, you know, she's just you immediately start to see her character and what what she's all about because she happens upon Jesus's camp and just starts exploring it. She's got her doll with her. Um, she checks out his tools, finds some utensils, you know, play uh, play acts like feeding her her doll with with the spoon and. And then she sees the f- smoldering fire. She finds a little rough cut toy boat and again, like puts her doll in the boat and is playing with that. And she's just exploring everything. She finds a, a bowl of figs and oh man, <laughs> she didn't eat one. She she almost ate one, but then she puts it back and I'm telling you, those looked so good. But then she hears Jesus coming and so she runs and hides behind the rocks. Uh, Jesus spots her, of course, because... You know, kids probably think they're being quiet when they're not actually very quiet. And uh, and then she just runs away. He spotted her because of his God goggles, Brent. Oh, man. I Yes, we have all sorts of God goggle moments <laughs> happening here. Or do we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like it. Exactly. So, uh, so then we have an, another little moment with Jesus at night. He's um, making his fire and sweating, uh, which was great. And like, how easy would it have been for him to call down fire? But he's embracing this human experience. And he's cooking like he doesn't he doesn't, you know, miraculously just like have a a bowl of finished food ready to eat like he's he's embracing humanity. Yeah, absolutely. And the sweat on his brow was a super like you think it's like a passing detail. That was a really nice touch in the because, yes, you you connect to the humanity, to the physical participation of Jesus trying to build his own fire. But I personally Having been in the Middle East at sundown, I was immediately ported to like, nope, that's exactly how that would feel. It's hot. It's humid. He's in the Galilee. He's trying to make a fire. Like, I just felt uncomfortable like this. I need a fire. It's going to cool down. But I'm in this sticky. So anyway, I, that that was great. That was a great little moment. No kidding. And the the actor, uh, I, I heard him talking about this a little bit, and he said, you know, I was able to to actually get a few sparks and get some heat and smoke uh, off of off of the sticks. But he said, you know, when you're not used to doing that, it's surprisingly difficult work to to make a fire that way. So absolutely, he he did have a little bit of assistance to actually get the full flames going. But yeah, it was <laughs> great, great little moment. Yeah. So then we see uh, Abigail at dinner with her mom and dad, and her mom we've previously seen as one of the friends of Mary. Um, I think what was that in the last episode where where she was at the market? Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that, but you're right. Yeah. And so then I, I'm assuming um, we'll end up seeing more of them later. But um, so the dad is, you know, he seems a little distracted. 
um, the mom is asking about their friend Johanna and saying, um, like, hey, we need to, to help her. Can you stop by and, and see her tomorrow? And he kind of like, you know, feels like I've got too much going on. But then he's like, okay, yeah, yeah I see that. And then Abigail asks, like, hey, can I go play with my friend Joshua tomorrow? Um, you know, over by the field, maybe by the stream. And and uh, the mom was like, no swimming. <laughs> so that's where it comes back up again. I'm like, okay, I guess they're really concerned about <laughs> swimming and having problems come out of that. I don't know. Um, and she's like, I know, I know. And I'll do my chores first and whatever. And uh, yeah, so she's she's uh, scheming to get back to visit Jesus as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then Jesus is uh, getting ready for bed. He removes his sandals, washes his feet, uh, which I thought was a great, great little moment. And then... Oh, I didn't catch that. That's right. That's great. Okay. I love that. Yeah. And uh, washing, like he didn't have a huge bowl of water. He just kind of dipped a cloth in there and, uh-huh. and wiped them uh-huh. off. But he like intentionally took his sandals off and stepped from his sandals onto a cloth and then um, and then grabbed a different cloth and then wiped his feet off with water and, and then you know, laid down for bed and he does, uh, does a blessing, uh, as he falls asleep. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings sleep to my eyes. And I don't know if you can share, like, is that, is that a blessing that is common today or do they make that up for the show or what, what's the story with that? Definitely common today and very possible that those blessings, there's just so much about second temple Judaism. We're not sure how much was in play, but um, definitely a common, there's a blessing when you wake up, there's a blessing when you, uh, get out of bed, there's a blessing when you use the restroom, there's a blessing when you, there's a blessing for everything and there's a blessing when you go to bed. Um, and, and he recites that very standard blessing and might I add, uses the intro that I love to use in my blessings. There's a, there's little nuances about, um, blessed are you or Lord, our God, King of the universe, master of the universe, uh, and I, I like the fact that Jesus obviously agrees with me, um, and uh, so that was great. But yeah, the blessings that are are recited there are, are pretty spot on. I, I like that that part of it. It was great, and and cool to hear him say it. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, that's great. That's good. So uh, then, as he's falling asleep, um, it cuts to Abigail and and Joshua going towards his camp the next morning. And Abigail is just breathlessly telling the whole story about what she experienced yesterday. And she's, you know, going through all these ideas and she's like, well, I don't, you know, maybe he's dangerous. Hey, hey, did you bring a sword just in case? And Joshua's like, what are you talking about? So they get there and, uh, you know, Jesus is is sitting up, getting ready to eat and uh, he, he's blessing God for the food and then kind of notices them out of the corner of his eye and starts praying for them. And, uh, then he starts, you know, they don't actually, it doesn't draw them out. So then he kicks it up a notch, starts making all these animal noises and, uh, and they laugh and then, and then he's like, Oh, what? that's not sheep. Uh, what is that? What's going on? And then they, they come out and they do their introductions and Abigail is just peppering him with questions. Joshua is not comfortable with the questions at all. Um, and, and then Jesus says, you know, I make things uh, for the wealthy and, and trade them for food. That's what my job is. And, and Abigail shares, you know, my family's not wealthy. And he says many times that's better. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of their, their first little, like, she's like, okay, Joshua came with me. I got to know him a little bit more. I got to ask him a bunch of questions. I'm feeling pretty good about this. So they, they leave and go home at that point. Yeah. The notes I have and about that scene are 
just the boldness of children. I loved the way they, I mean, it's so true anyway. That's not a stretch by any, you know, there's no stretching there. Like we all understand that about kids, but just to see that interplay between, uh, in this case, Abigail, because at this point, Josh was not comfortable, but she just, and, and he's even like calling her back, like Abigail, like on one hand, chill out. But then like some of the questions too, like, how do you make money? Like you don't ask somebody that. And, but she just has no fear. Like she, she leans in, she's got boldness. There's nothing, you know, obviously throughout this whole episode, I'm reflecting on faith, like a child, faith, like a child. Like what are the things that we get to learn as we consider and reflect on what it means to have faith, faith, like a child. And one of those things that I have down here, it's just the boldness. Like I got this question. I got this question. I got this question. I got, and and I think when you get older, we, that gets beat out of us, uh, spiritually speaking, where you, you stop, you start having a more nice, a more prim and proper faith. And um, there's something about this childlike faith of, um, I'm marching in, I'm marching in. I got another question. I got another question. I got another question. I love that. That's great. Yeah. So then we have Jesus uh, at night again. He's working on the lock and key that he uh, shared with Abigail earlier. And, and he gets it to uh, to the point where where the mechanism works and he says it is good and he sets it down and and then he goes to sleep which i thought was was a great line <laughs> yeah that's great so then uh then abigail shows up again she's got five kids with her this time and they wake jesus up <laughs> which i thought was amazing and another very human moment like he wakes up it's like oh that sun is bright hang on what's happening <laughs> you know six kids standing over you when you wake up is not normally what you would expect out in the middle of nowhere and he says, you know, well, I think I'm going to have to ask you guys to help if uh, if you're going to stick around for the day. And so they're like, absolutely. So then we see him brushing his teeth and washing up against just so, so much humanity in this episode. Like, like it really, because we know like, oh, Jesus was tempted in every way like we were or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, temptation's part of it. But like he lived the whole human experience, the monotony, the day to day you know, the cooking, the cleaning, the washing, like all of that stuff. Like we have that shared experience with Jesus. And I I just think that normally it's not something we consider. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, And that did a great job of just working that in, like you said, seamlessly without feeling like it was overdone or awkward or forced. It was uh, really well done. And I love some of my notes. I love, like you kind of get the sense that Jesus is forming like he's little, he's got this little havara, not a technical havara, a very informal little havara with children. And I love the picture of Jesus starting his ministry behind the scenes, kind of behind the curtain, informally with little kids. And I thought, man, that's so great. Like in a lot of ways, I had those opportunities and as an like a brand new intern and apprentice. I was, I would have never chosen to work like in the children's ministry or around children. But I was kind of like forced into these spaces and they were super good for me. And I just thought, how great is it that even Jesus in this fictional made up world uh, has this opportunity to like start, uh, do I want to say, you know, his training wheels? I don't know if that seems again, blasphemous or not, but like Jesus gets his, his rough draft uh, with it just is so so great so great 
Yeah, and you know the kids are asking all sorts of funny questions in in the midst of all of this stuff. And uh, you know, one of one of them says, "Is your father rich?" <laughs> Did Abigail tell you to ask me that? He's like, "That's a question for another time." Which I love that little moment. Like, okay, you guys aren't quite ready for the answer to that one. But they talk about Shema, uh, and oh, an interesting thing about that they were saying in one of the commentaries. Uh, originally, the the actor who uh, plays Jesus when he when he shot the scene, he pronounced it Shima. And, uh, and then they got back and, and one of their consultants was like, there's no conceivable way that Jesus would ever mispronounce Shema. So you got to fix that somehow. So they had to re-record that line and like dub it over the, the original track, which I thought was funny. And I love that scene, by the way, the, just his emotional and you realize like, who's hearing it. Like I, I'm having, and I avoid, I mean, you know me, I, I avoid all the Trinitarian, like, is he God? Is he Jesus? Is he God? Is he Jesus? I'm like always just just seeing Jesus. And yet even in that scene, I'm like watching Jesus's face, like kind of porting Trinitarian theology of like, here's God getting to hear the thing that he taught his people thousands of years ago from the mouths of children. Uh, yeah, just just great. And I have a note before the Shema when he calls Joshua, for the first time he calls him Joshua the Brave. What's your favorite food? Oh, Joshua the Brave speaks. And I was moved by that, like kind of like surprisingly, because remember Joshua was anything but brave. And yet here's Jesus giving him this name, like calling out of him the very thing that I think by most metrics we would have been like, no, that's the opposite of who he is. And Jesus going, no, 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 no. You, this is who you are. You are Joshua the brave. And because of that, throughout the whole episode, Joshua is far more brave. And I just thought, man, isn't that just like Jesus? To take the thing that we think we're the worst at and pull out of us, um, call out of us, name in us the very thing that we feel like we struggle with. I just love that. That was great. And I think that was right when Joshua asked the first question, the first time he had the courage to ask a question, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yep. That's the very first time he says, oh, Joshua the Brave speaks. And you're not quite sure if that's like the first time that name's ever been used. Is that the very first time? But it's the first time in the episode for sure. Yeah. And so I get this sense like, hey, Joshua, if you're willing to take a, a little step of faith and ask a question yes. and engage with the conversation, then I'm going to call out who you really are. Absolutely. Absolutely. So great. Wonderful little moment. So yeah. Um, so they're doing the Shema and I like I got the sense like, yes, I, I can totally see the idea like, oh, God, hearing his his people like speaking those words back or whatever. Uh, but I also just got this sense like, oh, Jesus is is almost lost in his hope for these children. Like, oh, this generation is carrying forward the mission of God. And, and he just is so moved by that. So that was kind of my take on it. But yeah, there's a, a number of ways you can interpret that emotion, I think, and probably a combination of all of them. Right. Yep. So they're sitting around and um, they're just talking about loving God and loving other people and, and whatever. Um, so then the kids leave and then and then they start arguing about who he is. So this is kind of like another thing from from later on that we see his disciples doing like the kids are doing it now. And uh, my favorite line in this in this scene was I like him. I'm just saying maybe he's a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah and so uh and and then they agree like okay well whatever he is like we're not going to tell anybody about this and we're going to come back tomorrow <laughs> right which is great yep 
Yep. So then, uh, then we have a little bit of a montage there. You know, the kids are back, they're walking with him, they're fishing, uh, they're going through, you know, you know, they're working on the, our father, the Amidah prayer or whatever. Um, and then we see Jesus bandaging a wound on his arm, um, which is, which is great. And like, you don't really think about the idea of Jesus being able to, to bleed like that. I mean, obviously he does in his crucifixion, but like prior to that, you don't like, that's not the image you get. Like, oh, Jesus doesn't get hurt. He's perfect. You know? Right. Like the only reason it worked in the crucifixion is because he, he chose to let himself. And that's just not, not how it worked. You know? I can remember being in Bible college wrestling with, did Jesus ever, you know, slam his thumb with a hammer Yeah. and, and having to wrestle with the Christology behind, you know, theology of the incarnation and what that means. And, uh, we all had these really strong feelings, but then had to like try to articulate theologically why we like some of us like myself were like, of course he did. Don't be ridiculous. Right. <laughs> then he had to explain like other people were like, of course not. How could he explain yourself? But yeah, it was uh, again, I'm glad the, the show sided with my own personal uh, understandings and preferences. Well done. Yeah. And so he's telling them, telling the kids stories about, uh, about she bears. And then he, you know, he does his big expressive motion and, and, uh, you know, the, in the director's commentary, you're saying like, you know, I knew this moment was going to be like, we didn't tell the children what was, what was going to happen, how he was going to play this out. And so he had his, uh, camera operator, uh, trained on the on the youngest girl and so like her reaction that you see there was her genuine reaction to the the first take of that scene and and i just thought that was that was a great moment that is good i like that oh man i, I love a good expressive storyteller so uh then we see jesus praying earnestly again so it seems like you know every single night he's wrestling with whatever he's wrestling with um he's teaching the kids a song uh there's more kids now there's seven kids at this point and uh, as far as the song, I was wondering if this is like uh, a known song or even just a, a a common melody or something. I don't know if you know anything about that. I I am not an expert on melodies and how they get used, and if there's something like uh, if there's something driving that, like like there is with like the history of Christian music. If there's something similar in the history of Jewish music and Jewish melody, um, but the the song is Psalm one thirty three. Um, I believe if I got my psalm correctly. I'm, caught me off guard there i'm talking off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure he's singing uh psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity it's like precious oil flowing down the beard flowing down aaron's beard um onto the collar of his robe like the dew of mount Hermon. i'm almost quoting that psalm from memory brent that's pretty good um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah that's that that's the psalm that he's singing and referencing there but yeah okay well yeah i uh i figured they must have got that from somewhere but they didn't mention it at all in the commentary so um uh, yeah just want to ask about that so then uh then it falls into a discussion uh that he's having with the kids about punishment like oh, i i pushed this guy and so they're talking about torah and they're talking about respect for teachers and parents talking about whether the messiah will be a military leader and then you know abigail like answers a question with a quote of scripture and he's like whoa boys pay attention she doesn't even go to torah class and i'm like well wait a second here i thought the girls did go to the torah classes and they didn't move on past the torah classes but torah like isn't that is this maybe you know a, a little bit of a, a misstep on the part of the chosen uh maybe i think maybe um because let's say let's say 15 years ago 20 years ago we didn't think they went to torah class then we found evidence that they did and so maybe 
that position, we might be overextending to assume that all girls or even most girls went to Torah class. I'm assuming that most didn't still. Like we know that there were girls that were involved with Bet Sefer. Um, but I would I would imagine a lot of families didn't have that luxury, didn't have that ability. Those young girls were often very busy around the house. I would imagine that. So I think it's still very historically plausible that she doesn't go to Torah class. Although we have learned in the last 15 years of scholarship, we believe that that the girls were more present. We didn't think they were present at all. And we've discovered that they, they were more present than we realized. So we do find out later in the episode that she knows how to read. So wouldn't that be the kind of thing that you would get in Torah class or, or is it possible that her parents just somehow taught her? Yeah. Everything about that was so wacky. Um, cause they make a big deal about pointing out she comes from a poor family. Like typically all this, like the ability to go to Torah class, the ability to read that would have come from, you know the the privileges provided to you because of more wealth wealthy affluence so uh it's i mean obviously anything's possible it's completely possible it's not historically implausible i just couldn't figure out like man how did that come to pass that some poor girl you know knows how to read without going to torah class how did that work? So a, a million ways to explain that she could have had a relative she could have had like made whatever her dad does like yeah, there's definitely a ton of ways that that could have been true, but that was definitely an interesting, interesting little ditty there. Yeah, I guess maybe something to watch out for if we learn any more family background for her, because uh, we don't really know a whole lot about her family yet um, at this point. So right, absolutely. So then Abigail asks the big question. She's like, "Why? Why are you even here?" <laughs> and Jesus, you know, kind of like pauses for a moment and thinks about like, okay, how am I going to explain this? And, you know, talks about some stuff. He quotes Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah. Isaiah. Pretty powerful moment, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I was, yep, quoting it to children. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So the kids head out for the day. Uh, Jesus continues working by the fire. Uh, we see him grab a block of wood and start writing on it. And then... Okay, now before we even get into that, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Um, I have a couple notes that I've passed over. <clears throat> um, I love the comment in that scene about, um, like, first of all, when because during that conversation, uh, one of the boys asks about Rabbi Josiah. That was the right scene, right? Am I getting that correct? Uh, yeah, I think that's when they... When they initially, when the big group of them left for the first time and they were arguing about who he is, who Jesus is. But then there's a second time where he's actually addressing Jesus during that conversation. He says, Rabbi Josiah says this about Messiah. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. He does bring it up again. Yeah. And there's this wonderful interchange, which I just felt like was full of tension that even I feel like I wrestle with in Baymon, those kind of things, where Jesus is like, no, you. It's very important you honor and you respect your teachers, your adults, your elders. Like he's he's. It's not even like there's no chip on his shoulder. There's no like. There's no wink. There's it's it's like unequivocal respect for elders and teachers and leaders. 
which is something that I try to hold myself. Like I even see this scene as like, yes, that's the model. That's the example that I'm trying to pursue after. Like, I'm not here to cause division. I don't think we should in our walk. No, we honor our teachers, our leaders. And then there's like this pause. (laughs) And then in the next explanation, he says, And Rabbi Josiah is a smart man. But many times, smart men lack wisdom. There, There are many smart people that lack wisdom. And I just thought, oh... My goodness, like that is such a, uh, that was like a thunderbolt statement that I was just like, that. that is the tension of kids, you're, Jesus isn't raising a bunch of people to disrespect their leaders. Jesus isn't raising a rogue movement that's going to break away and go do their own thing. But nor is Jesus like outlining like how this is going to work practically either. He's just saying your teachers are great. Your leaders are Good people, you should honor and respect them, but sometimes they're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, but sometimes they lack wisdom. Sometimes they know. And then there's another line later where he says, like, what if all the things that our forefathers think and understand, what if it's all wrong? And what if there's another way to see it? Um, and he keeps talking about, like, what you guys see. And I, I think I have another statement here in my notes. Let's see here. Um, uh, oh, golly. Yeah, I have all kinds of notes about it. that conversation was a big one for me. I think it was my favorite part of the episode. At some point he he he's talking about being a peacemaker and he says God will have compassion on his people and he pauses waiting for the students to and of course Abigail wants to you know and and Jesus is like, "Well, maybe we should let the other, you know, the boys play." And they complete the sentence. And I thought to myself, how many of us even knew what verse like, oh yeah. I was not able to complete that sentence. I have no I, I still have to go do a word search if I want to figure out which passage he's quoting. God will have compassion on his people when and I can't remember how they finished it because I still don't even know the verse well enough, Brent, but God will have compassion on his people when um something about when they're in suffering or when they are um like when they're broken down, that's when God will have compassion on his people. Talk about being pierced to the heart. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Many times adults, another phrase he says in that same conversation, many uh, times adults need the faith of children. <sighs> many times the adults need the faith of children. And then the last phrase that comes out of the same, which I would make like the capstone of our uh, of the whole, I know we got more episode to talk about, Brent, but in that same conversation, if I had like a sentence that I said, I feel like we should all walk away from this episode and really think and marinate on that. Um, he starts talking about his future disciples, the people that he has to call. This might even be a later conversation in the episode. I'm not even sure. But he says, I suspect they do not have the... Un-. And it's like this... Emo- it comes from a place of emotion for him. Like, I'm about ready to leave you guys. Like, we're about ready to be done here because I'm going to go start the rest of my ministry with a bunch of people that I'm still going to call. And he says, I suspect they do not have the understanding you do. And you feel like there's this emotional pain when he says it, like, oh, I have loved hanging out with you children, and now I have to go work with these adults. And they don't have the understanding. And I thought, no, 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 no. kids are stupid. Like, what do kids know? Kids are dumb. And I loved that line. And I just thought, man, I want to go reflect on that for the next week. 
Yeah, he says, uh, I'm remembering this now that you're saying it. He says, uh, I hope that they will ask the questions that you do and listen to me like you have done. But I suspect that they won't have the understanding that you do. Yes. So like he's just like a bare minimum, like, please just listen to me and ask questions. But he, he, he's like not even expecting them to, to understand as well yeah, as these children do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause our understanding is going to actually just get like, we, we have all this understanding quote unquote that actually just gets in the way of the understanding that Jesus wishes we actually had. Like, whoa, that's another convicting shot to the heart. Ugh. So that, I mean, that is pretty close to the end of the episode. You know, he's basically saying goodbye without actually saying goodbye. And I think maybe Abigail understands that because the next day when she returns, um, she comes alone and, uh, and it's raining and stuff. Um, so maybe, maybe they just didn't think like, well, we don't want to stand around in the rain all day. Uh, but she shows up and she finds the camp abandoned and then she sees the gift there. Um, she reads the, the placard says, Abigail, I know you can read. You're very special. This is for you. I did not come only for the wealthy. And so the chosen is three for three on making me cry with the final scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that was, that was good. I I just love the whole interaction with children. That was was a great episode. Uh, I did a great job with that for another episode with just backstory. Uh, and very little, little like connection to a chronological historical gospel content. That was just another great job they did with that. And I think we do see a lot of elements from, you know, from the text that, that are pulled into this, like, you know, the, the idea of the children as his disciples arguing about who Jesus is or whatever. And so, you know, it, it's not like this is completely out of thin air, but, uh, yeah, definitely yep. some interesting backstory and, uh. Yeah, the only the only question I had coming out of the episode is how in the world is Abigail can to explain to her parents where she got this giant <laughs> giant uh, yeah. playhouse? Yeah, I was I was wondering that too. Is she going to leave it there so she goes and plays with it every day, or is she going to take it home? Like, that oh. was my thought too. Yeah, great question. But yeah, yeah, I think the only other note I have in all these notes that I didn't touch on was uh, at one point in the episode, uh, Jesus has this comment: "Everyone has a much larger job than just their trade." And I both loved and hated that phrase. I, I, I hated it because I think we will quickly hear that and we'll just do what Christians always do, which is go, well, there's your vocation. And then there's like the spiritual stuff you're supposed to be doing. And we'll separate the soil spirit. And part of anybody that's heard me talk much, part of what Impact's trying to do at Impact Campus Ministries is we're trying to like, se- like bring that gap. We have separated soil and spirit. And we're trying to bring it back together and recapture what we're calling like the sanctity of vocation, the holiness of work. We're trying to teach people why their trade matters. So on one hand, I was like, ah, I hate that statement. On the other hand, I really loved it because you don't have to separate soil and spirit to appreciate that comment. Like no matter who we are and no matter what we do, there is something that we're here for. There's an identity that we, uh, you know, we're a part of. There's a thing that God is doing with us that is bigger than simply the work that we do with our hands every day. So I both loved and and hated that, but that was the only statement I had in my notes that we hadn't talked about yet. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode. Um, Pretty great. Looking forward, looking forward to more. I think pretty, pretty safe to say. I really love how they are 
establishing the characters and and setting us up for uh, I think I think probably in the next episode we're going into more direct uh, gospel narrative so yeah we got eight episodes in first season yep all right well we are not quite halfway through all right well if you want to get a hold of marty you can find him on twitter at marty solomon i'm at eibcb you can go to bamodestablishup.com to find out more about the show i've got uh links to the chosen uh in the show notes so thanks for joining us on the Bama podcast we'll talk to you again soon